Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. says, 
God's Word says forgive, whether you feel like it or not. So number one, forgiveness is not a feeling. And I love reading about Paul's struggle in Romans 7 and 8. Doesn't that make it come alive when you understand that? Romans 7 and 8 makes so much more sense. And so then we said that sanctification is the process that teaches and equips us to live and be led by the Spirit. That's what sanctification is. It's that renewal within us to not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's a sanctification, it's a cleansing, so that we're able to be in line and walking with the Spirit of God. And in that, and because of that, we have peace. See, we can become Christians. We can receive the Holy Spirit. We can ask Jesus to come into our hearts. We can even desire to live for Him. But unless we feed our spirit enough to where it becomes stronger than our soul, unless I'm feeding my spirit with the Word of God and with doing what the Holy Spirit tells me to do, we gave the example of the Greyhound story, then my soul just takes over. And I stay with my same personality and all of my weaknesses and that kind of thing. But what do I lack my whole life? Peace. Because the Holy Spirit in me is saying, Kathleen, you know, don't have the last word. That was my example. But, you know, don't have the last word. Or maybe a greater example in my life has been, Kathleen, forgive. Forgive. But, but, but God, they hurt me. Forgive. But God, it changed my whole life. It affected my whole family. It ruined our finances. It hurt my body. Forgive. I don't want to forgive. The Word says forgive. What did Jesus do for you, Kathleen? I don't feel like forgiving. The Word says forgive. You pray every day. And Father, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. And it's that conflict that we have until we let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God renew us to where we have peace because we forgave or we did whatever it was that God was telling us to do. And that's when it's so exciting. You know, sometimes I would read in the Word of God and I'd, I'd read about peace and I'd be like, what is he talking about, peace, you know? See, because so much conflict is within us and we're not even aware of it half the time. Because when you became a Christian, when you asked for Jesus to come into your heart and you acknowledged that He was the Son of God, and you said, I acknowledge you, I make you Lord of my life, I may not understand everything, I may not be completely scripturally literate, but I have conviction in my heart that this is true. Whether you understood it or not, the Holy Spirit came up inside you and He started convicting you of things that maybe you used to think were okay. And that's where he wants us, instead of living in that constant static of conviction and yet not knowing how to change, he wants us to allow the Word of God to change us. And that's what I'm excited about. And that's what the lady was talking about who came up. She's saying, I'm free. I don't have that static. I don't have that struggle. My spirit won over my soul. And lots of times as Christians, we have to take our soul like an unruly child, kicking and screaming to do the right thing. You ever been there with one of your children? And it's always in front of people. <laughs> I mean, truly, I mean, I think, you know, my daughter's older, but our son's three, and I think our son really sort of assesses the situation, makes sure there's people that are 
you know, important around. We're all important, but it's like in the grocery store, is anyone watching? Does mom know anyone? Excellent. I've got to throw a fish, you know? And, and it's so bad. It's so embarrassing. Right now, we're just teaching him to try to be friendly because he's in that phase where if someone says hi to you, you grunt. And I don't know why he, you know, hi, Storm. I'm like, this is horrible. And so everything's a reflection on the parent because you feel that way always, even when they get older, which is total pride. But anyway, we we're not going there. And so he grunts. And so I'm teaching and teaching and teaching him a sweet friend that goes to this church, and I hope I don't slip and say her name. But anyway, she saw us at HEB, and I'm trying to teach him to not grunt. So I said, Storm. I said, now you say hi. And she said, oh, don't worry about it. Storm, say hi. And so she walked off, and I said again, Storm. I said, you, and I said it really loud so that he would say it and she would hear it, and that I was doing the right thing, and that I read all the Dobson books, and I was a good parent, and my children were performing. And so I tell her really loudly, say hi to Mrs. Williams. He goes, hi, Mrs. Williams. And I gave him the wrong name. So I looked at him and I said, I now have to make up a name because I don't want to say the real name. I said, Storm. I said, Martin. Hi, Mrs. Martin. He goes, you were dying, mommy. Oh, man. I get away with nothing. Well, here we're talking about sanctification, the process that teaches and equips us to live and be led by the Spirit. I wanted to read Galatians 5, 16 through 18. It says, so I say, live by the Spirit. What is he saying there? He's saying, don't live by your soul. Don't live by your mind, your will, your emotions. Those have got to tie in. We've got to think. We've got to know what we want. But don't live by how you feel. You're going to get in trouble. You know, the Bible says there is a way that seems right to man, but the end result is death. That word seems is huge. And huge from the beginning. Why did Eve take of the forbidden fruit? If you go back and look in Genesis, you'll find the word seems. It seemed good. See, there's so many things that seem a certain way, but God wants us to live by the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature, that's the conflict that we have in ourselves. They are in conflict with each other. So you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. It sounds so much like what we've been studying in Ephesians 6 and 7. You know, God always gives me kind of like, I guess because I'm so simple, that I can't grasp the... Like, sometimes when I hear people that are, like, so intellectual and they know the Word so well and they've read all these commentaries on the Word, and I haven't read any commentaries on the Word because I'm just maybe not that intellectual, and I fall asleep, which is probably nothing to brag about, but I can't read stuff like that. And so, when I read the Scriptures, what I'm so appreciative of the Holy Spirit is that Jesus did the same thing. He taught in word pictures. We call them parables. Where he said, hey, here's a big concept. And all the people looked at him and kind of went, because they didn't understand what he was saying. So he said, okay, I want to tell you a parable. And so I was thinking about this being led by the Spirit. And, of course, I'm on a walk. And 
I see this beautiful lady that jogs in our neighborhood. And, and anyone remember the movie Ten? Okay, you're all it's dating all of you. <laughs> I said that to a group of teenagers, and they were like, "Absolutely not. We don't know what you're talking about." Um, I said, "Well, you know what, Bo Derek?" They were like, "No." <laughs> We have no idea. I said, well, the corner of her hair is just beautiful. No. <laughs> so anyway, this woman is so beautiful, and she jogs with this dog. And the one thing that's noticeable, however, is that the dog jogs her. I mean, it's this huge lab that just, she's trying to jog. And, of course, I'm kind of weighed down with these. I'd love to demonstrate. But, I mean, you've seen people who are, they're not walking their dog. Their dog is walking them. Most obviously. And it's hilarious, only you're thinking, I, I hope that I don't later have to pray for your rotator cuff because it's painful. And God just gave me such an image of, you know, what we are supposed to have is our soul is not supposed to walk us. You know? And most of us as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit in us, but it's like our soul is that dog our mind, our will, and our emotions, and it's pulling us around, and it's leading us. Whereas these scriptures in Galatians 5, 16 through 18 says we're to be led by the Spirit. If you look in the Word of God, it says over and over and over, be led by the Spirit and not by your soul and not by your sinful nature. And what's interesting is when you really look at it as a full concept our soul, our mind, and our will, and our emotions are supposed to walk with the Spirit. Our soul is supposed to heal to the Spirit. It's not that you get rid of your soul. You know, sometimes people become Christians and they think, oh my gosh, you know, I can't keep my same personality. I can't be who I am. I've got to, like, find a Christian who looks like they're doing what God wants them to do, and I've got to become them. I have to emulate them. And I know I've told a lot of you, but you know, when I went to Baylor um, two years ago, okay, not, but anyway. <laughs> but, you know, when I went to Baylor, I remember seeing girls or people that I felt like were very much walking with the Spirit. So I thought, well, my personality does not match them, so I just simply have to leave my personality behind. In order to walk with the Spirit, I have to be like them. And, I mean, it wasn't long for me to figure out that I didn't like Laura Ashley dresses. I didn't like bows. And I couldn't be quiet in most circumstances and situations. If someone needed to speak up, I was going to do it. I mean, I relate to Peter. Of all the people in the Bible, I relate to Peter. You know, because Peter's always the one that was kind of just like not willing to let it go. He was just going to say whatever needed to be said. I relate the least to John who it says he laid his head on Jesus' breast and he was just very quiet, you know. I relate to Martha, I relate to Peter, I like them. And see, God knows the personality he put in you because he created you to reach a certain segment of people and to attract a certain segment of people and to be with the person you're with and to, to be in the realm that you're in and to use the gifts and the personality that you have. But he wants your soul, your personality, your mind, your will, and your emotions to yield, heal to the Holy Spirit. And I was walking with a good friend the other day and she said, oh my gosh, this reminds me. You want to come share? <laughs> I gave her no preparation time. Okay. Well, I was walking I was walking with her, and, and she said, this reminds me of a new show on television called The Dog Whisperer. 
Has anyone heard of this show? One person. Well, she said that one thing that was interesting is in the dog whisperer, this guy said that if you will just simply spend 45 minutes a day walking your dog, that the rest of the stuff that you ask them to do, they will do, you know? When you say, no, don't do that, or come here, or whatever, if you'll spend that time with them, just walking them, just training them to walk with you. And she and I said, that's so much like what God wants of us, if we'll just seek Him, you know? I don't think that any of us need to have a rule or a certain law that says, well, 45 minutes a day, right when you wake up, you've got to go spend time with the Lord. But if you'll just do what the Word says in Matthew 6.33, if you just seek first the kingdom of God and learn to walk with Him and yield to Him and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit saying, yield, yield. It's like those yield signs that we sometimes just go straight through instead of stopping and, and, and pausing, I guess is a better word, and saying, which way, or do I need to look if we'll yield? Walking in the Spirit requires a strong spirit. Whatever we feed will control us. We talked about all this, and we said we have to feed our spirit with God's Word so that the Spirit will rule and we can keep in step with the Spirit. And what I wanted to start this morning was a teaching that I think is so important to my life, and it's consider where your mind dwells. You know, if we want to stay in forgiveness, we want to stay walking in the Spirit, we want to stay in God's will, we have to consider where our mind dwells. Because wherever your mind dwells is where you are. (laughs) I mean, you're physically in this room right now, but some of you mentally are not in this room right now. Yeah? See, wherever your mind dwells is where you are. You can be in the most beautiful place, the most incredible setting with people you love. And you could be in, an, in a situation where you should be in so much peace and in a thought of resentment or unforgiveness or a past hurt or past memory can enter into your mind. And all of a sudden, you're there. And in our Christian walk, it was such a huge revelation to me that I needed to consider where my mind dwelled. Because I truly, and and some of you may be this way too, and I've had a conversation recently with someone about this, um, can go in and out of like little funks and not know how did we even get there. And I'm in a place where I can recognize <laughs> that and avoid it completely. And that's what I'm hoping to have time to teach. So, um, where does your mind dwell? Your, your mind is part of your soul. Where does it dwell? I wanted to look at the Hebrew word for dwell really quickly because it's important for us to see that it means stay, abide, inhabit, remain in, continue to be set. And that you are where your mind is. Dwell means to stay. It's interesting that Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says, You will keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Well, what does that mean? You know, we look at that scripture, we're like, God will keep in, us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Well, that means dwell. That your mind is dwelling on the Word of God. Your mind is dwelling on God's truth. Your mind isn't dwelling in the past where you've already forgiven someone. Your mind isn't dwelling in the things that are hurtful. 
How do I know that God doesn't want me to consider and dwell there? Because the Word says, do not consider the former things, nor remember the things of old. Behold, I'm doing things, new things. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. God is constantly saying, don't go back to the past. Don't go back to the past. Don't go back to the past. Let go. My mind needs to be dwelling in the Word of God. You will keep him or her in perfect peace, shalom, whose mind is stayed dwelling on you because he or she trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord is everlasting strength. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, incredible scriptures telling us to consider where our mind dwells. You know, it's interesting, too, I looked up in the Hebrew the, the word mind, and it means imagination and purpose, intellectual framework. And April 3rd had this kind of interesting article, some of you may have read it, and it's a book that's come out recently called The Maps of the Imagination. And in this article, talking about this book, it's talking about how our mind is intricately connected with our imaginations and our experiences and, and how that all comes together. It says it's the writer as cartographer. And in reading this article, I thought, you know, we even know scientifically the mind is all made of the imagination and, and where you dwell and what you develop, and you can leave places undeveloped, and you can quit exercising parts of your mind and go slack. I mean, it's amazing what they're finding now, the connection with the mind and using the mind and how much of a percent of the mind do we actually use and how different languages stimulate different parts of the brain and parts of the mind. I'm fascinated by all that. And the Word has already said all that. It says when your mind, where your mind dwells, if it dwells in the Word of God, things are happening. You know, the Word is not just the Word, but the Word is... Jesus Christ made flesh. It's alive. The Bible says that the word is, is sharper than any two-edged sword and able to cut through so, um, soul and spirit and get to the heart of a man. And it does things when we're dwelling on it. I wanted us to see, too, that the word dwell means abide. And abide is used so much in the Bible. There's no way I can read all these scriptures, but I'm going to read a few. John 15, 4 says, Abide in me, and I in you. That's saying, dwell in me. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except for it abide in the vine, no more can you, except for you abide in me. That's incredible. And God's saying, if you're not dwelling in me, if your mind is not dwelling in me, you can't bear fruit. Apart from me, you cannot bear fruit, not fruit that will last. And it challenges and scares me in a good way that much of what we do on this earth might be burned as shaft because it's not God. It was never his plan. It was good, but it wasn't God. And there was an opportunity several presented recently that I need to respond to tomorrow. And I said, one of the things that concerns me the most is I want to do what's God and not just what's good. Not just what seems good. And this says, apart from God, apart from dwelling in Him, I can't bear fruit. You can't bear fruit. First John 2.28 says, And now, little children, abide in Him, dwell in Him, that when He shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Dwell also means to continue. 
and I'm, I'm saying this because Hebrew words and Greek words, comparatively to English words, are so much richer and fuller. So when we see the word dwell in the Bible, we need to know it means to stay. We need to know it means to abide. It means to continue. So that when we see scriptures that contain those words, it can pop out to us as dwell. And we can have a greater understanding of what God's saying to us. John 8.31, dwell meaning continue. Then said Jesus to those Jews who believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Are you a disciple of Jesus? It's not a one-time deal. Well, when I was in BBS, I received the Lord. I was age four. and Well, one time I had a mountaintop experience at camp. And Are you a disciple of Jesus? See, his definition of a disciple says, you continue in my word. And I don't know about you, but that means I've continued tripping, falling, crawling, crying, laughing, walking. But see, continue just means don't stop. Even if circumstances look terrible, even if you're so tempted to say, I quit, continue says, don't stop. And then you're his disciple. And continue also relates to having a steadfast mind. So we have to look at where is our mindset. You know, I, I wanted to look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7. They're such great scriptures. And then look at Philippians 4, 8, because God tells us what we're supposed to think about And lest my mind go to things that were hurtful and things that are going to bring me into that funk that we can get into, I need to realize that God doesn't just say, don't think on these things. He doesn't just say this word, don't consider the former things, but remember the things, or remember the things of old. He doesn't just say that. He says, and I'm going to tell you what to think on. And And he puts it with scriptures that tell you how to get out of anxiety which none of you ever deal with or experience, so we're not going to look at those scriptures this morning. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, to make your requests be known to God. And that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Jesus. See, when I'm having those dark thoughts come to me, experiences that I've had, maybe remembering when I was a young child in a body cast for a year, that can be a dark thought. Remembering the nights I was in the hospital, bald, with tubes put all in me, and with doctors saying that I probably wouldn't live, and thinking, gosh, my little girl's only four, that can be a dark thought. Or remembering the people that misunderstood me or talked ugly about me or, or rejected me. That can be a dark thought. Or remembering my own mistakes, the things that I did to hurt my own self, or just the immaturity in my life, or the mistakes I've made with others, or how it's affected my children. That's a dark thought. But see, God says that He restores the years of locusts of Eden. And He says, Do not consider the former things, nor remember the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive that I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert? And then he's saying here in Philippians, don't be anxious about anything. Even the new stuff coming up right now. 
Anxiety is not from God. It's the brother of fear, and fear is not from God. Fear is a spirit, all right. It's a spirit straight from hell. Second Timothy 1.7 says, You have not been given a spirit of fear, or anxiety, or dread, or hurt, or pain. not been given a spirit of fear, but power of love and a sound mind. So when those thoughts come and they start attacking me, I realize, wait a minute, the Word says to be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer. So I've got to lift it up with God. You know, maybe I'm anxious about a certain situation, or maybe it triggers a memory. I've got to lift it up with God. With prayer and supplication, that means I'm asking Him, God, you got to help me. you got to give me the solution here. you got to get me out of this. With thanksgiving, I praise you that you're there. I trust you. Make my request be known to God. Here it is, God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. In other words, it doesn't even make sense that I can have peace. It doesn't even make sense that you can have peace. But it will happen if we trust God and go with His Word. We'll guard your heart and mind. Why does our heart and mind need to be guarded? Because it's attacked. The enemy doesn't want you walking in the Spirit. The enemy doesn't want your soul to heal the Spirit. The enemy wants you to jog forever with the dog leading you. He wants to see your soul leading you so that you never have rest. And so the Spirit can never lead you into things of God that He has planned. You know, the Word says that eye has not seen and nor has ear heard the things that God has prepared and planned for those who love them. I don't even think we have an inkling, any of us, of the things that God has planned for us. And we never will if we're led by our soul. And here's what's exciting about Philippians 4.8. It says, and Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is what we've been saying. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then Philippians 4, 8 says, and here's what I want you to think about. Here's what I want you to dwell on. Not the past, not the hurts, not the things you've already forgiven. See, because what the thing in our life that makes forgiveness hard is we forgive, but then we go back and our mind thinks on the past hurts. And sometimes it's even that I've forgiven myself, but I'll go back and I'll think about the things I've done or said that were wrong or bad. Or... And God says, don't go there. Consider where your mind dwells. Philippians 4, 8, here's what I want you to think on. Finally, brothers, this is what I want you to think on. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. I have a dark thought come to my mind. It's a, it's a thought of, of something that I did that I'm ashamed of, that I've already received forgiveness from Jesus. I already asked for forgiveness. Maybe it was 20 years ago. Maybe it was 30 years ago. And the Word says four, if not five times, and I'll share those scriptures um, closer to five o'clock when we're about to eat dinner, but... <laughs> We need a conference, folks. This is not working. But it says that when we ask for forgiveness, God says not only He will remove our sins as far as the east is from the west, but He will remember them no more. What's He saying? He said, I'm not going to think about it anymore. 
I'm choosing to forget. And he says that we're to do the same thing for ourselves and others. Do you know that God not only gives you permission to forget, he tells you you are supposed to. And so when those dark thoughts or those anxious thoughts or those funky thoughts or those bad memory thoughts or those bitterness thoughts or those hurtful thoughts come to me, I go, wait a minute. Not only am I going to submit my request to God to help me, but I'm going to purposely do what he says and I'm going to think on the things that he tells me to think on. Whatever things are good and pure and lovely and are good report and are praiseworthy, I'm going to think about that. See, I didn't even know a couple years ago that I could choose what I thought about. I just thought whatever came in my brain, that that was what I was supposed to think about. You know? And so I just thought about whatever came in my brain. I had no idea that my mind literally would direct and steer my entire life. And that what we meditate on is what we become. I mean, you talk about in trials, you know, if someone is is on trial for murder, they spend a whole lot of time and a whole lot of our money, taxpayers' money, trying to figure out was it premeditated or not. What are we saying? We're saying, did they think on that a lot? See, most everything we do is premeditated, whether we realize it or not. And God says for us to meditate, think on, dwell on His Word. And that's what's so good. So we need to consider where our mind dwells. Where I live is what I give attention to. You know, what I give attention to is what I become. And that makes so much sense when we look at Proverbs 3, I mean, excuse me, Proverbs 4, 20 and 22 says, My son, give attention to my word. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. They will be life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. I mean, I, I, that excites me. Really excites me. I feel like I could be on gun smoke, by the way. You know, I have people, have people say that they um, occasionally will, and we're hoping prayerfully to get a tape duplication system, and um, anyone want to donate for that, that'd be great. But so that we can actually be able to give um, to who wants it, um, tapes, and we've had so many people say, gosh, I want to send this lesson to so-and-so or whatever. But anyway, the few people that have gotten CDs and things of the classic set. Now, everybody laughed at a certain point. What were you doing? <laughs> I'm thinking, I have no idea because I don't know. Um, I can't remember what I'm doing. When we look at this, my son, give attention to my words. Do not let them depart from your eyes. God's saying, this is what I want you to pay attention to. Not the past, not your own feelings, not all that. You can address that, get it under the blood of Jesus, ask for forgiveness, make reconciliation. And that's why the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger. Because he doesn't want us to carry it and carry it and carry it with us. What I give attention to is what I remember. And this is really interesting. God tells us not only to forgive, but not to remember. And, and there's so many areas where I could hit this really strong, but I want to hit three really quickly. Number one, when you look at the definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13, it says that love keeps no records of wrongs. What does that mean? And who is love? See, God says that he's love. You look in the book of John or 1 John, and God says, I'm love. God is love. 
And so, if God is love, we can look at the definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13 and replace the word love with God. Every single verse. Love is patient. God is patient. Love is kind. Love is kind. Does not boast. God knows love. Love keeps no records of wrongs. And we are to be like God. We're to strive to be like God through the help of the Holy Spirit and, and strive meaning in a good way. That should be our goal. Not My goal is not that I'm half German and half Irish and I'm going to have a bad temper. And My goal is to be like Jesus. The word says to be an imitator of Christ. Love keeps no records of wrong. Number two, God himself says he doesn't remember our sins. And for those of you writing references down, Jeremiah 31, 34, Hebrews 8, 12, Hebrews 10, 17, all three say, I will remember their sins no more. Not great news. That's great news. And I've had the Holy Spirit say before, Kathleen, you asked for forgiveness so long ago. And I don't remember. I'm choosing not to even ever remember or mention it again. Why do you? You know, it was significant in my life, and, and I ask for God to give my husband grace all the time because sometimes I can share in theory, but sometimes things hit home when people are vulnerable, and, and, and I'm so thankful for his willingness to be vulnerable. But there was something that he did in his past that affected our marriage, our early marriage especially, and it was devastating to me. And I remember him asking specifically for forgiveness. And he didn't know the Lord then. And it was, it was, it was a huge thing for me. And, but every so often, it's like my mind would go to that dark place. You know that dark place? And I'd pull it out. And I'd look at it. And then sometimes I'd even take it over to him and I'd show him. And I remember one point in time, it was so significant to me because he said, and he, and he was such a new Christian. And, and, and what I mean by that is, it's not how long you've been a Christian. It's how much of the Word do you know and how much are you yielding and walking with the Holy Spirit. And I remember he said, Kathleen, he said, I asked your forgiveness so long ago. I asked for God's forgiveness. He said, God's forgotten about it. Why don't you? It's like, wow. I mean, conviction. Like, he would not believe. God does not remember our sins. And then number three, what we mentioned earlier, the Lord's Prayer that we pray constantly. And forgive us as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Is that not God's will? Jesus, teach us how to pray. Okay. You pray this. Heavenly Father, you just go ahead and forgive me as I forgive those who trespass against me. It's powerful. We are to dwell in God's word and not in the past and not in unforgiveness. I've got to stop right here. Um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your word sets us free and that it changes us. And God, we come here right now boldly before your throne of grace because you tell us that we can. And I think of even the most important man in the face of the earth. Other people may have to make an appointment with him and 
maybe never get in to see him, but his children can rush in and sit on his lap anytime they want. God, I thank you that we're your kids. And we just come to you and we wrap our arms around you and we ask for your mercy. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask that you would forgive us for ignorance. We ask for you to forgiveness for purposeful disobedience. We ask you to forgiveness for walking out of our soul instead of walking with your spirit. Father, change us. We can't change ourselves. And God, please thank you for your words in Joel 2.25 that you do restore the years the locusts have eaten. Restore us. Renew us. And God, that Romans 8.28 says that all things work for good, even our own mistakes. All things work for good to those that love God and are called according to his purposes. We trust you that even the mistakes in our lives will work for good. And even the things that others have done to us. Genesis 50 verse 20 says that you were the enemy. Meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I just pray right now for every single person that the bitterness, the hurt, the rejection, the things that have been so difficult in your past, that right now we declare in Jesus' name, according to his word and not ours, that what Satan meant for evil, God will use for good, and that we can dwell on those things that are good and pure and truthful and praiseworthy and live and walk in the light of your We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.